0: To us in his word in Ephesians 3 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. What an interesting phrase. Um, Paul says, I pray that you will be strengthened in your inner being. What a weird thing, inner being. You, you probably would think, I would, that maybe Paul would pray that we would be strengthened in our outer being. Our outer being is the thing that we, um, we focus on the most in our lives, our bodies, um, our knowledge, our social interactions. We're consumed with it pretty much, our outer being. And Paul comes along and he says, My prayer is not that you will be strengthened in your outer being. My prayer is that you will be strengthened in your inner being. What an interesting thing. We're in the middle of a series called Rhythms of Grace, uh, formerly known as Spiritual Disciplines. And the whole point of this series is that we would be strengthened in our inner being. Today, Last week, we looked at prayer. Today, we're gonna look at um, a really, really well-known common topic among Christians in Bible Belt America in 2022, and that is fasting and solitude. Fasting and solitude. This is not something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about what we shouldn't eat. Most of the time, I'm preaching to myself All I'm thinking about is, man, what should I eat? What do I want to eat? Most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about how can we get away from events? How can we get away from stuff? How can we get away from knowledge and technology? Most of us spend most of our time thinking about how do I fill up my life with stuff? And now it's become such a part of our life that we don't even know what we're doing it. Fasting and solitude is all throughout the Bible. Studying this week, getting ready for this, I was shocked. I don't know why I was shocked. You figure by now, after doing 100 of these, that I wouldn't be shocked that the Bible um, has more to say than I realize, but it does. Fasting and solitude is littered throughout the Bible. Jesus actually paves the way for us. Jesus himself sets an example of what does it mean to live in solitude. I've got a few questions before we dive into that, because this is important. We do want great bodies. We do wanna be strengthened with our outer cells, but we also want great tasting food. We want knowledge, but we also don't wanna be taught. We want entertainment, but we also Don't have a long enough attention span because, well, we're constantly being entertained. Have you ever thought about who you are? You ever thought about what you feel? Have you ever thought about what you think? Thinking about what you think. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you drove 10 minutes in silence? When's the last time you drove 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Can you imagine sitting in silence for 60 minutes, for one hour? What do you think? What do you actually feel? Who are you actually? We're gonna spend the next 60 minutes in silence together. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Case in point, the anxiety level in the room just went, but we are going to spend the next 10 seconds in silence starting now. I don't count like you guys. That was 25 seconds. How many of us, me included, and this is, I'm not, I'm not here to put shame on you today. How many of us automatically said, let me start counting. <laughs> let me make sure this pastor has got enough sense to know when 10 seconds is. And then after that, no more silence, please. Who are we? Who are we actually? not who are we because of the information we take in. It is amazing. We have more data coming in at all times, more information at all time into our heart and our brain right now, but we still are so anxious and we're still so misled. We don't know the truth. We don't know the truth about ourselves. We don't even know the truth about what we think because our thoughts are always being impeded and bombarded with other thoughts. (laughs) We are terrified of being alone. The reason is, is because we're terrified of loneliness. The problem with that is, is that we think that being alone means being lonely, and it doesn't. Those are two different things. Both things, fasting and solitude, we have no grid for, um, but ironically, they're both crucial to the Christian life. The Bible is filled with commands to wait and examples of waiting and then also meditation. It also has very little to say about speaking a lot. The Bible does say to speak up, it does but it has very little to say about even that. It has a lot to say about being silent and keeping our mouth shut. Psalm 130 is so good for our heart this morning. It says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who would get up and stay up all night and all morning in complete and utter darkness. Those watchmen would keep watch over the tower and there would be nothing, no light, nothing around. Nobody talking to them, just waiting. My soul waits for the Lord. I stand in attention. I don't hear anything other than the sound of the earth and the sound of God's voice. I wait more than the watchman in the morning. Jesus has well modeled solitude consistently and also assumed that fasting was something that we would do. In Matthew 6, he says, and when you fast, in Matthew 6, 17, but when you fast. When you fast, but when you fast. He did the same thing in prayer in the previous verses. When you pray, it is not that he's not saying, hey, here's a new thing, a new concept that you need to learn for your life. He is assuming, yes, we will fast. You know why? Because we want to be close to God. When you pray, you know why? Because we want to know God. When you fast, he goes on to say, don't do like the hypocrites. Don't fast so that other people can see that you're fasting. Sunken in faith looking destitute. He says, cover your face, wash your face, because the point of fasting is so that your Father will know you and meet you in secret. The same thing with prayer. For us, it's not a hard answer. The question of this, do you want to know God more? That's not a question. I've probably most of us in this room, even those that are really angry with God right now, we just say, I don't want to be angry with God. I want to know God more. How then do we get to know God? Prayer, fasting, solitude, silence. When you do it, do it in secret to know God in secret. Again, Jesus consistently Did something that would be crazy to us today he left opportunity he left ministry opportunity to go and retreat and be alone and be with the father Matthew 14 after feeding the 5,000 verse 23 and after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray when evening came he was there alone he had just fed 5,000 people multiplied loaves and fishes lots of miracles happening and also in Luke 6, before he chose the disciples, it says he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued to pray. He continued in prayer to God. Before Jesus did a single ounce of ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days. Before his trial and crucifixion, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Be with the Father. In Luke 5, after healing the leper. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Ministry opportunity comes in the door. It's revival. It's the kingdom of God on earth. And what does Jesus do? Way different than me. I'm there, man. I'm thinking it's the most virtuous valiant thing I can do is just to, I might have to pass out and die doing ministry but what a way to go Jesus says no no that's not healthy go to a desolate place pray one of my favorites is this in Mark 6 disciples had a long day of healing in ministry they cast out demons they healed the sick they were successful and here's what happens So many were coming and going that the disciples were tired and had no leisure to eat. Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, they had no leisure to even eat. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. Come to a desolate place away by yourselves. Jesus models solitude and silence for us. And it's fitting because Jesus is the ultimate man he is the ultimate human being he's showing us something he's living by example we need peace the only way we get it is god's voice we need to be strengthened in our inner being what do you feel right now knowing that jesus instructed his disciples to leave ministry on the table and go be silent what does it make you feel? My hunch is that we feel a lot of shame. My hunch is that we're looking at our calendars in our mind right now and trying to figure out how, what time, how do I have time to do that? My hunch is also that a lot of us are feeling sheer terror at the thought of just being by ourselves in silence. We think that aloneness equals loneliness. We think that solitude equals loneliness. But on the contrary, solitude and aloneness with God equals nearness. It's actually the thing that we need to know God. It is so countercultural today. Nearness to the one who can satisfy us to real rest, not just fleeting, impulsive rest that we get from a conversation. Conversations are good. You're gonna hear us a lot prop up and talk about, you need friends. You are made for people. You do not need to isolate yourself. But there's a difference between isolating yourself and getting away to go and be with the Father. Both fasting and solitude are pointing to the same thing. They're pointing to this, exposure of our dependence on everything other than God's presence to give us satisfaction. Giving up our time, our food, our routines, our taste buds, our screens, our information addiction, and even our podcast. No matter what the podcast is, Christian or not, even giving up those things. Look, I love it, man. I want us to listen to sermons. I want us to listen to Christian podcasts. I think that's really healthy for us, but it doesn't replace the solitude and silence of knowing God the Father in that secret place. Fasting and solitude push us to realize ourselves and to listen with our heart, not just our brains. Fasting and solitude are about one thing. They are about the presence and the nearness of God. We need to learn how to sit. We need to push back the darkness of a microwave society that wants us to have everything right now, right away, in one second's time. Three quick things about fasting that equals to solitude as well. First is this, fasting is worshiping. Fasting is worshiping. Uh, Anna the prophetess, um, a widow in Luke, advanced in years. I love this story, this woman. I was reading this this week and, and just started to kind of welt with tears just to think, man, I, we've got some precious people like that in this church and I want more of them. Luke two, then as a widow, she lost her husband, which also means in that time that she would have lost a lot of her dignity culturally. And Jesus comes along and he says, take care of the widow. She was a widow and she was 84. She did not leave the temple, she did not depart the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She worshiped with fasting. She worshiped by saying no to things and yes to God's presence. This is the picture of a woman who has tasted and seen that God is good. And it's the only thing that satisfies our soul. And she says, I'll do whatever I need to do to get more of him. Fasting, yes, of course. Small price to pay to get God's presence. There are multiple accounts of, throughout the Bible of worshiping and fasting. Fasting is worship. Worship is more than just singing songs. Worship is more than, than just praying certain prayers, or reading a certain thing. It's more than that. It's more than just gathering around the table with our friends. It is that. Worship is those things. Worship is also uh, trusting God with our money. Worship is also being generous in our giving. We're going to learn about that next week. Worship is all of those things. But it's also fasting. It's also solitude. Those are acts of worship. And they are acts of worship. They require discipline. They require a little bit of maturity for us to say, I need to go away from the opportunity. When it seems like, man, there's people that need me. This is my life. This is a lot of our lives. There's people that need me. So therefore, God must be working in that moment. And that's not necessarily true. What we do when we walk away from opportunity and need, we're saying, God, you are ultimately the shepherd of these people. God, you are ultimately the one that they need. They don't actually need me as much as they need you, and I'm going to model for them my need of you by getting away and going and being with you and hearing from your voice. I say this a lot. I've never meant it more than right now. I'm preaching to myself. We need God's nearness. I'm moment of honesty, this is a Pretty much our core group here. <laughs> apologize to any guests that I freak out. There are times in my life when I think, will being a pastor keep me from knowing God? It's easier for me to do the work of ministry and neglect being ministered to by the Spirit. There's nothing more precious in the world than the presence of God. There's just not. I've tried lots of things in my life. You have to. I'm standing here to testify. There's nothing that satisfies like the nearness, the sweetness, the tenderness, the power, the sovereignty of God the Father. Sometimes we need to walk away from doing stuff for God so that we can be with him. Anna is a great example for us in Luke. The second thing, which is proven in this moment, is that fasting confronts us. It confronts us. If we are highly devoted, and I mean very highly devoted, we will fast sometimes to get something that we think that we need or get direction or clarity or God provide for these bills or whatever it is, if we're highly devoted. And most of us don't even do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very good thing to do. Whatever gets you there, whatever gets you to fast, man, I, I just want to promote that. Fast, pray, God provide for me. He is a provider. But if that is the end If the means to the end, and the end is my needs, my wants, my clarity for my dreams, and the means to get there is just fasting, then we need to change our end. Because the end of the point of fasting is not for us to get what we want. It's for us to know God, to be near to him. If we're not careful, we'll miss the point entirely, and then we'll treat God like our lucky coin, a rabbit's foot, if we just do the right thing at the right time, then God will finally give us what we want. And that lets me know right there that we're not actually worshiping God at all. We're worshiping a false God created in our own image. If he knew what was best, he would give me what I want. But the Bible says, it doesn't start with God will give you the desires of your heart. It starts with this, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desire of your heart. Meaning, delight yourself in the Lord. And you know what happens? All of your desires change anyway. Because your heart changes. Isaiah, one of the most holy and profound men of all time, a prophet of God, who spoke life. He spoke the very word of God. He helped an entire generation and generations of generations by speaking, by being God's mouthpiece in the Old Testament. This guy opened his mouth which was his calling, his calling before God and man was to open your mouth, Isaiah. Isaiah gets in the presence of God. And what does he say? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Put the coal to my mouth. Shut me up. All I can do is bow down. You know why? Because the presence of God satisfies. Isaiah says, I don't need to say anything ever again. I have what I need. Job sat in silence, weeping, and then he started to liberate with his friends. What could God be doing? He's taking away all this stuff from me, and then guess what? God shows up in Job 38, and in Job 38, you might think Job's been sitting. He's lost everything in his life times 100. This man is destitute. He has nothing. Everything has been taken away from him. God and his sovereignty allowed that to happen. So Job, the whole time, is thinking, if God will show up, he'll finally give me an answer. And you know what happens in Job 38? God shows up. The Bible says, out of the whirlwind, God came. In the chaos. He was never absent from it. He was in it. Out of the whirlwind, God came. And you know what he said to Job? Where were you when I formed the earth? When I told the seas where to land, where were you? God's response to Job was not the answer he was looking for. It was his presence. The presence of God satisfied Job. We need God's presence. Fasting gets us there. It confronts us. It reveals so much in us like pride and control. Richard Foster wrote a great book called The Celebration of Discipline, and he he said this. We cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things surface. I want to read that again. We cover up what's actually inside of us with food and other good things. These are not bad things. These are good things. But the problem is we get them twisted. They become the thing. Fasting brings these things to the surface. David in Psalm 69, he prayed this prayer. Fasting confronts us. Listen to what David says. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting... How do we get more humility? How do we open our eyes and our ears? One of the ways is fasting. Humble our soul. Fasting does this profound work in us. It levels us out, pulls things to the surface. It's unbearable at times, miserable. But in the misery is the sweetness that satisfies, which is God's sufficiency for everything that we need. Again, Foster said, anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear. If they are within us, they will surface during fasting. At first, we will, we will rationalize that our anger is due to our hunger, which has become affectionately known as being hangry. Then, I love this, at first we'll rationalize anger is due to our hunger, then we will realize that we are angry because the spirit of anger is within us. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ, and it is. It's what makes solitude just as important. Fasting forces us to think and feel and neglect certain things, reveals things. So does silence. So does listening. So does solitude knowing how to hear your true self, your inner being, and allowing God to confront those things in us so that we be strengthened. Fasting and solitudes are workouts for the soul. Be strengthened in your inner being. We are working out our soul with time with God, time away, and through fasting. The third is this. First, first, fasting is worshiping, solitude as well. Fasting confronts us, so does solitude. Third, fasting is actually feasting. Jesus uh, goes out into the wilderness for forty days. Imagine being Jesus, by the way, which is impossible to imagine because you're not him. But just imagine being him. He has Philippians tells us that he has um, he has humbled himself. To, he didn't see equality with God, a thing to be grasped, even though he is God. But he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus already has lived 30 years on earth, working a job, feeling pain for the first time. Uh, Jesus humbled himself to the point where he was born through a woman, through a birth canal, through a birthing process that he created. That's humility. Just working a job in silence. And before he does anything, he goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. And here's what Jesus says to him. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread because Jesus was hungry. Because why? Because he was a human. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is actually feasting. It is a soul Feast. It's trusting God, it's resetting our heart and our mind. It's saying no to the things that comfort us so much, but on a tertiary level, we're saying we want true comfort from the comforter. We want God, we want his presence. We need rest, true rest. I love, man, I, Lord knows I love to take a vacation I talk about the beach a lot up here, Um, I love it. We need rest, we need vacation, but we don't need to take a vacation from Jesus. We don't need to take a vacation from his church. We actually need to vacation with him. We need strengthening, we don't need weakening. It does us absolutely no good to be gone and to leave Jesus and leave his, bride and our community behind because that doesn't strengthen us at all. It weakens us. We need more times with our thoughts. We need more times with our hearts. We need more confrontation of our addictions by giving them up. We need fasting. We need solitude. We need to know what we think. We need to know what God's voice sounds like. We need to know what his heart is like. We need to wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. This has very little to do with being in a crowd, by the way. Solitude, fasting, these are states of the human heart. You can be in a crowd and still be at rest with who God is and his voice. I wanna invite you today to examine your heart. I wanna invite you today to learn silence, to learn solitude. We're not gonna turn into a bunch of Christian mystics around here, but we could probably use a little bit of that in our life, to be honest. I wanna invite you to think about the things in your life that control you. I wanna invite you to be honest before God. Are you angry today? Are you hurt? Are you frustrated? Are you bitter? Don't hide those from God. Stop hiding them from yourself. Go learn yourself and bring all of that to God. Do you doubt? Of course you do. Everybody does. Every Christian has. Bring your doubts to God. Are you struggling with something? Bring it to Him. Fasting is feasting. God satisfies and he leaves us wanting more. He's the only one that can do that. So today, in this series, Rhythms of Grace, we're about to have a rhythm of grace in this room. We're gonna take the great feast, the table of God. We do this every single Sunday here. I know that might be unusual for some of you, but the reason is, is because we need the constant reminder of God's goodness every time we gather together. So you don't even have to have perfect faith. You don't even have to have full faith. You can have just a flicker of faith, but faith nonetheless is required, faith in Jesus. Come, receive the table of the Lord today, and let's feast on God together. Let's stand.